Farming Programme with Araquip Steel Stockholders, Withambrook Industrial Estate Grantham. For all your steel needs, call their friendly experts. We have a new chair of Lincolnshire Young Farmers. Today we get to meet and welcome Harry Mason. I wanted to do something a little bit different uh, to my particular year as being chairman, so I want to organise a Lynx Fest. We've been out and about at the Great Yorkshire Show, and is there any truth to the rumours already circulating of turkey shortages for Christmas? Uh, usual scaremongering at uh, summertime in earnest for Christmas. Sean Sparling has a crop report and some timely agronomy advice, and Openfield and Louth bring us the market reports. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Steve Orchard. Hello, looks like the almost endless sunshine has a few more days to go, although we should get some welcome rain later this week. I'll bring you the weather forecast at the end of the programme. Hope you've had a good week. I'm Steve Orchard. It seems farmland is selling more quickly than it has over the past five years, according to research by Strutt and Parker, as demand continues to outstrip supply. Analysis of its farmland database, which records the details of all farms, estates and blocks of publicly marketed farmland over 100 acres, shows that nearly half of the farms marketed this year are already under offer or have exchanged, a much greater proportion that was seen at the equivalent point in each of the past five years. Tight supply and strong demand have pushed the average value of arable land in England up by 2% to £9,600 an acre, the highest it's been since 2015, and the average value of pasture land has also risen by 6% to £7,900 per acre. There's been stories on TV and online predicting shortages of turkeys for Christmas. Yes, already. Philip Mowbray from TT Turkeys. Any truth in the rumours? Uh, usual scaremongering at uh, summertime in earnest for Christmas. Uh, everything's going tickety-boo at the minute. Uh, birds are down on the ground. Yes, we've had a few hiccups in the industry as a whole with the HM5-1 being a problem, but we're not facing any other sort of real great challenges apart from the main things that everybody else is suffering with, with the hike of costs, the hike of gas, the hike of electricity, etc., etc. So so no reason really why we should be expecting any shortfalls this year. What about prices? Presumably they're heading in an upward direction. Yeah, I'm afraid so. It's uh, it's a it's a spiral at the minute, isn't it? Um, there's nothing that we can do about that. Gas prices up, feed prices up, shockingly so. It makes your eyes water when you get the bill for the feed, and of course that that just has to be passed on. So uh, yes, expect a, a price rise. I'm afraid. And the quality of the birds and the flock this year. Hey, well, I had a, a lady message me through Facebook yesterday to book her turkey for Christmas, and she said to me that she hated turkey. It was it's horrible dry meat, but her sister-in-law bought one last year. She actually tried it and thought how wonderful it was, and has ordered one direct from me this <laughs> year. So the quality will be there like it is every year. Just I'm afraid people are going to have to dig a little bit deeper in their pockets. It's only dry if you don't cook it right. That's right. You cook it breast down, let all that lovely fat percolate over the breast of the bird. And you can only get that with a fully mature bird like one of ours that we have in as a chick in June. It's allowed to grow slowly, put that layer of fat down in its back, cook it breast down so that keeps a lovely, juicy breast. It's making me hungry and longing for Christmas already. Philip Mowbray from TT Turkeys, thanks once again. No problem at all. Cheers for now. Bye-bye.
This week saw another very successful Great Yorkshire show, sold out over four days and benefiting from some more glorious weather. One of the award winners at the show was Boviate, which has created a monitor system to alert breeders when a cow is about to calve. I met with director Edward Penty. Edward, firstly, congratulations on the Innovation Award at the Great Yorkshire Show. For those who might not know, what is Boviade? What do you do? And what's the app that's won you this award? Yes, so Boviade is a calving detection system that I've been developing over the last eight years. And basically, it warns a farmer when a cow's going to calve. There are a couple of other products on the market that do this, but where we have got um, unique um, position is that it's totally non-invasive so we simply stick the patch on the on the back of the cow and um, just in front of the pelvis just enter the cow's digital it's tag on to, against the sensor number switch it on and then basically it'll just text you when your cow's going to calve about an hour an hour an hour and a half before she's going to calve so you've got plenty of time to get there help her out if there's any you know intervention needed without giving trade secrets away how does it know when the cow's about to calve Yes, so we're currently trying to get the, the product um, patented in the process of that. So it's picking up various movements, and these various movements um, signify the start of calving. I'm assuming there is a cost to this. Yes, so um, yeah, we, we're not aiming at the small farmer. It's, you know, the, the, the least we'll sell is a hub and 10 sensors. Currently, that's £1,500 um, with a £40 per sensor annual renewal. So on that, you, know, you pay for £400 for the 10 sensors and that hub every year. This price comes down the more you get, so you can buy additional sensors for £100 each. And um, yes, and that price comes down. And where can we find out more information then, Edward? Yeah, so you can just go onto our website, boviade.com, or you can, you can uh, just go onto Instagram, you can find me on there as well, on boviade underscore limited. Good stuff, lovely. Well, congratulations again on the award, and thanks for joining us on the Farming Programme. Thank you, cheers now. We've spoken on the programme before about the several charities doing marvellous work helping farmers and those in rural areas. One we haven't spoken to, and which was at the show, was the Addington Fund. Bill Young is chief exec. Bill, what makes the Addington Fund different? We're only 20 years old. We started off during the foot and mouth crisis, dispensing aid to farms who were suffering terribly in, in, in those terrible times in 2001. And we've given out £12 million worth in grants, direct to farms since then. So we looked upon as a very efficient means of distribution by governments, quangos, whatever. So what we've done, we set up a string of retirement homes. We've got just over 50 in the country now. And the local communities don't even know that we own the houses and the farms have retired with the heads held up high in dignity. Coupled with that, we've got a smattering of affordable homes, uh, particularly in the southwest and in Cumbria, uh, where we encourage youngsters to stay in their chosen rural location. Uh, and those go down well at affordable rents. So uh, by affordable rents, I mean five, six hundred pounds a month, that sort of level as well. And that's also morphed into a, a young entrance scheme, which we launched last year now, where we're actually build, hoping to build some work-to-live units with flats above workshops, in other words, linked to parcels of land to bring youngsters into uh, into try farming even if it's only a 10 acre plot you know on a part-time basis it just gives them a taster and then we're fortunate enough to have about six or seven legacy farms coming our way which we're going to use purely for young entrants for first generation farmers who've been agriculturally trained but haven't got the opportunity and we also do a farm worker scheme i should add as well where we could buy white goods service people's cars who are people right on the breadline as well and now I can proudly say, because of our rental income, albeit from subsidised rents, 100% of all our donations go to the next good cause as well. So where does the money come from then for the fund? 
uh, various. We're very good. Uh, I've got Annie sat next door to me here, Annie Wynn, our marketing manager. It's a very good fundraiser. So we raise it all ourselves. But because of our record, you know, governments aren't shy in giving us grants, etc. if we go through the process to apply. And a lot of corporate sponsorship too from people like NFU Mutual, Hutchinson's, Cornish Mutual, those type of people in Mole Valley. Now, if somebody's listening to this and thinking, hmm, yes, that sounds like something yeah. I could benefit from, where do they go for more information? Addingtonfund.org.uk. Lovely. Bill, thank you. Pleasure. Another organisation offering help is RABI, the Royal Agricultural Benevolent Institution, which has announced a return to school grant for farming families to cover the cost of school uniforms, PE kit, etc. You can apply for the grant, which is up to £500 a child, by calling RABI through July and August on 0800 188 There's more from the show next week of particular interest to parents and youngsters looking for agricultural qualifications. To the fields we go now, where pretty much everything is turning various shades of brown in the sunshine. Morning, Sean. Yes, good morning, Steve. Looks like summer's here, doesn't it? Sunshine and heat once again, first half of this week. High 20s, few spits and spots of torrential mist. It didn't even deserve to be called drizzle on Tuesday afternoon. And then a bit cooler on Thursday, only 21. Felt a bit chilly, nearly needed to put my coat on. And then back up into the high 20s on Friday and forecast now to get right into the, the mid-30s, I think, tomorrow and Tuesday. So this weather is certainly taking its toll on crops out here, you know. Cereals peas winter beans all rushing towards harvest and shrugging off the last remnants of any greenery by the day but bleaching isn't necessarily ripening so do get out there and check these crops harvest is of course well underway in the oilseed rape crop now and the winter barley crop yields of barley pretty respectable thus far three and a half to four ton to the acre nine to ten tons to the hectare plenty of greenery in some of these barley fields which went a little bit too quick for the glyphosate to go on towards the end and in all that heat lots of volunteers wheat in some fields and late tillers particularly up the tram lines but as ever they'll shrivel up on their own and the samples I've seen look pretty good despite all of that. There are a few fields we're already regretting not using pre-harvest glyphosate on but there's only ever two decisions you can take. The right decision which is always the best one and the wrong decision which is always the next best one and there's barely a fag paper between the two of those in any year. Mind you with the cost and the supply complications of glyphosate once again this autumn personally I think it'll do way more good pre-drilling than it ever will pre-harvest anyway so this heat is going to do for a lot of those late green side tillers and glyphosate does need that bit of active growth in order to move to the required sites on the plant and in this dry and with the excessive heat that we've got I'm not convinced it's going to do its job particularly well in these conditions anyway also rate harvest in full swing now too early yields seem pretty good four to four point eight tons to the hectares for me on a big old area of higher Rusic rape out the Boston way. Of course, it'll be variable the rape harvest and it'll be poor in places, always is. But with rape worth what it's worth, if we average a ton and a half to the acre this year, that'll do very, very nicely. More old seed rape planned to go in once again this autumn, having got away with cabbage stem flea beetle again this year thus far. But numbers of adults are similar to last year, I would say. They're certainly not walking out of the grain stores and walking out of the trailers like we saw them do in 2019. So that will 
will be what it is and that's sort of cause for a little bit of optimism remember insecticides are going to be fairly useless against those little creatures anyway the most important thing though when it comes to getting next year's crop in and away it won't be calendar day and there'll be plenty of people thinking about getting it in soon it'll be moisture all seed rate drilled in the first week of august as i'm sure much will be having had an early-ish off of winter barley on some farms and with some of these wheats going home and looking like they'll be an early off too early all seed rape drilled into early august if it's as dry as this is not going to be as good as if you wait until the end of august and some rain forecast rape seed needs soil to seed contact it needs warm soils it's got both of those but if it's as dry as snuff like last year at that early timing where the seeds just started and stopped or they got eaten underground by slugs and never actually made it through or they didn't come at all so for me the forecast of rain is the important factor. We've only had 203 mil of rain this year so far. I'm sure it will catch up and it's probably going to catch up in the first two weeks of August like it has done for the last 10 years or so. But things are very, very dry and they're set to get drier. We're two to three weeks away yet, I think, from drilling all rate. I know that. But I wouldn't put any in on my farm unless I knew it was about to get a drink. We've all been there before. There's a bit of verticillium wilt, by the way, out here in some of these all seed rape crops the gray racemes they've been like that for five six weeks now there's not as much as there was last year nothing we can do about it anyway i thought it was just interesting the wheat harvest looming as well still a couple of weeks away even on the sands but glyphosate 30 percent moisture if required for weed control etc remember thumbnail imprint peas are going really quickly too the peas in the top pods if you're timing glyphosate on those the pod will be green and the peas will be rubbery but splittable and less than 30 percent moisture the middle pods will be pitted the peas will be rubbery and the pods won't be quite as green they'll be a browny greeny color and the bottom pods will be like paper and the peas will be hard glyphosate only of course on non-seed crops but it does seem to me that a lot of mine are going to go on their own they're going so quickly in these temperatures and this heat and remember you do need some green for the glyphosate to actually work you need that bit of translocation so if the crop's dying on its feet best to let it go on its own to avoid disappointment from the glyphosate we're just waiting to make sure that we get the spotlight plus emu for seed crops on our peas again i think the linseed one dropped the other day but you might want to check that if you do use the spotlight plus on a seed crop of peas as long as we get it an 18 meter buffer zone 400 liters of water will give you the best results but do just check the status of any of these emus and the crop status as well before you go and do it virus becoming more apparent in the untreated sugar beet crops as we started to talk about last week we knew it would and it's certainly starting to increase now on those fields and the black aphids which are builded in the beans may well head off into the beet as the beans start to die but the threshold for black bean aphid in beet is 100 aphids per plant we haven't seen that threshold for over 20 years so no threat whatsoever as yet just keep your eyes open but black bean aphids like any other aphids they'll give birth to two live young a day in these sorts of temperatures and each of those live young which have just been born they're born with two fully formed aphids inside them they're like russian dolls and they in turn will give birth after seven days and so on and so on so numbers can build very very rapidly but there's an awful lot of predators out there so just keep alert the ladybirds are suddenly exploding out here so they'll do their job for us at this time no signs of disease in sugar beet at the moment looking like the first fungicides will go on somewhere around early august as normal i think last year use up of course this year for escolta if you've got that in your shed you need to get that used up on the sugar beet before november 
There are plenty of other options available though, so do speak to your advisor about the best course of action. And we're hoping still for this SDHI-based authorization too, so we may have something to finally control Socospora with. Things look good in the field. It looks like it's a very good year for wild oats as I drive around the county. But apart from that, let's just see what the next seven days do in terms of breaking all the records for heat. Thanks as ever to our crop doctor, Sean Sparling, Sparling Agronomy Services, back next week. The Farming Programme with Araquip Steel Stockholders, Withambrook Industrial Estate, Grantham. BSI ISO 9001 accredited. Young farmers play a very important role in developing the next generation of farmers and ensuring that the social side of a job that can be quite lonely is not forgotten. Lincolnshire Young Farmers has a new chair. He's Harry Mason and he's on the phone this morning. Hello, Harry. Firstly, congratulations on your new role. Give us a bit of background on Harry Mason. My granddad's got a fencing business. I wear a lot of the time and I work on a farm part-time at Osmondby. So I'm, I'm at Scredington and this is Osmondby. Is this a family business that's been going a long time yeah. then? Yeah. And you're the incoming chair of Lincolnshire Young Farmers. What's your local club? So I'm a member of Heckington and Sleaford. And I was one of the founding members of it with uh, Beth Appleyard. So me and her set it up four years ago. I was chairman for three years. She's been secretary. And we got it from zero members to 42 members in our second year. Why did you decide to stand as chair for Lincolnshire? What was your manifesto? The biggest thing of young farmers is the social events. A lot of people, a lot of chairmen do chairman's ball. I didn't want to do that because everyone does chairman's balls. And if you've got something that's particular to you, then that works. So I wanted to do something a little bit different. So I want to organise a Lynx Fest. This will be a charity event, probably held somewhere in the middle of the county, but close enough for other counties to get involved. And what's that going to Uh, involve then? So it's going to be an outdoor event, so a big headline band act, much like a small version of Glastonbury, but a very different thing that Lincolnshire farmers would never have done before. Harry, what is it about young farmers that's so appealing? If you had somebody who's maybe a friend and not been a member of young farmers, what would you say to them? I think uh, you, you, you join a club, you join a club local to you, there's, there's no end in the county, and you'd make friends, you'd make people that you're going to know for the lifetimes that I have. Um, you get involved in so many different activities, whether it being from stock judging, if you're into dairy, or on the rally days, water fight. Uh, the Lincoln, we just had the Lincolnshire show and we all build floats for it. Uh, you probably saw us going around the ring. Mm. And then we have a water fight on the day too. So there's so many different things that you can get involved in that bring everyone together. Is it the social aspect, do you think, that's the biggest attraction for most people? I think the social aspect, uh, no doubtably, is one of the biggest attractions for a lot of people. However, if you're someone like me who's very competitive... Some of the competitions are quite appealing as well. <laughs> <laughs> but there is a little bit of a serious side to it as well, isn't there? Oh, at the end of the day, it's a, it's a charity, but it's there for people. There's, we're, we're trying to push mental health this year. It'll be a different charity. This, this is what the Lynx Fest will be, and hopefully it'll be a mental health awareness charity for in the farming industry, knowing how difficult it's been in the last few years and how we need to get people to talk. So... We're going to try and push that this year and have that as one of our curve training modules so people will come around every club in the county and uh, really push mental health awareness to a lot of the, to all the members. Excellent. What's your kind of views on 
farming as it is. If you're on a scale of zero being totally negative, 10 being absolutely positive, everything's wonderful, where are you on a scale of naught to 10? What are your views on the state of farming at the moment? Uh, I think you've got to say six or seven, but you've got to be very positive. There's no, look, no point in looking on the negatives of farming. You've got to just keep looking positive. And any views on the future of farming? What's what's coming next, do you think? Well, I think uh, labour's becoming less and less in farming with the uh, modern technologies, GPS. So I think no doubt in a few years' time there'll be uh, drones doing spraying and driverless tractors and things like that. But uh, I think... I think uh, that's going to be the key thing, but I think that's a few years off yet. Well, look, Harry, have a wonderful couple of years. I'm sure you'll be very successful in following Charlotte in uh, her very successful couple of years. Uh, We wish you all the best as the new chair for Lincolnshire Young Farmers. Harry Mason, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. Let's see how the markets have performed now this week. Firstly, livestock from Louth Livestock Market. Auctioneer Oliver Chapman. Good morning, Oliver. Good morning, Steve. Another weekly roundup from here at last, starting with the prime cattle with steers topping at 270 pence per kilo and grossing £1,778 for F. Wallace and Sons of Biscothorpe. Well, the heifers top at 262 pence per kilo and gross £1,529 for J.C. Scully of Bournemouth. That wraps cattle up and onto the sheep. Very, very similar number forward, which was 10 less compared with the previous week. However, another strong trade. And again, we're one of the dearest markets in the country with prime new season lambs leaving an SQQ of 303.66 pence per kilo or an all-in average of 319.1 pence per kilo, which just shows how dear those heavy lambs were. Top comes for Scribblesby Farms Limited at £160 per head. Well, the pence per kilo is also top from the same good home at 337 pence per kilo. On to the cool ewes, a very, very similar number, however slightly down on the week, which would be well in line with all national outlets, leaving all-in average of £117.21 to see ME and MB Crowder of Torxy top at £165 per head. Huge thank you to everyone that's been and supported this week, both buyers and vendors. Cattle and sheep of all classes are required for tomorrow's market, so please do not hesitate to contact me to discuss all marketing options. This is Oliver Chapman for Mason's and Laugh Market, and thank you. Thanks, Oliver. And to the grain markets now with Openfields Kit Dickinson. Morning, Kit. Well, good morning, Steve. Following last week's price recovery, the market came under a renewed attack from global inflationary concerns, Chinese COVID-19 and export corridor chatter. Most of the activity continues to be centred around the derivative markets as farmers remain reluctant sellers whilst consumers stand back hoping for prices to lower. The US Consumer Price Index for June came in at above expectations at 9.1%, a 41-year high, although two of the core concerns were energy and food prices, which have subsequently dropped significantly, perhaps a sign we are nearing peak inflation. This week's July USDA report was neutral, as usual, open to debate though. They left Indian production at 106 million metric tonnes with a 6.5 million metric tonne exports, whereas the trade is closer to 90 million metric tonnes and 5 metric tonnes of imports. Quite a significant swing factor. So looking at barley this week, first results upon the UK winter malting barley are very good, with nitrogen in the 1.5 to 1.65 range. Retention, 90% and excellent bushel weights. Yield, 7 tonnes per hectare. This applies in particular to craft in the south, but also samples of electrum and flagon in the east. 
France has completed its winter barley harvest, also with good quality and average to above yields. The first 20% of the spring malting barley has been combined in France with excellent results. However, this is expected as this is the autumn planted barley, which has also been irrigated. France are now starting the spring barley planted on February onwards and we wait to see what that quality will be like. As we forecast, the UK malting barley price has followed the wheat down. As well as the war premium, this has both been removed from the market. Even at lower values, malting barley has remained at historically high prices. If, as we hope, the UK and Europe spring barley average quality and yield is good, the price and premium will fall furthermore. Oil sudrape combines are starting to roll in parts of the UK and if the weather continues like this it is going to be a short harvest with its own logistical problems. In the short term domestic rapeseed is seeing some harvest pressure as supplies start becoming available and alleviating the tight supplies. Monday saw the market open higher but lose ground during the day. The rise was capped by some harvest pressure, the weaker crude oil and the lack of direction from the palm oil due to the Bursa Malaysian market being closed for Ida Ada public holiday. Tuesday was quiet as the market waited for the USDA report, which turned out to be bearish and resulted in sharp losses on both Matif and Chicago. Wednesday saw the market lose ground again as Matif reacted to the sharp losses in Asian vegetable oils and Canadian canola. So looking at prices this week, wheat for August 228 to 235, November 255 to 262, February 258 to 265 and May 260 to 268. Milling wheat premiums are circa 35 to 40 pounds. Feed barley for August 210 to 215, November 220 to 230, February 222 to 232, and May 225 to 235. For malting barley premiums, please speak to your open field farm business manager. And lastly, oilseed rate for August 535 to 545, November 545 to 555, February 548 to 558, and May 551 to 560. Thanks as ever, Kit. The Farming Programme. Five-day forecast. It's looking like a week of two halves. Very hot, dry and sunny for the first half, followed by a noticeable drop in temperature and some rain from Wednesday. Light, mostly westerly winds today, staying in single figures MPH, highs around 26 Celsius. Monday and Tuesday, much the same, the breeze a bit more from the southwest though, and some extreme temperatures, possibly hitting 40 or 41 Celsius. And then on Wednesday, all change. Highs drop to 22, we see some rain with westerly winds in the mid-teens MPH, and to end the week, more light rain, winds light and variable, and highs around 24. Next week, we'll talk education and what's on offer uni course-wise from September and look ahead to Farm 24 and the biggest village show in the country. I'm Steve Orchard. Until then, have a great week. The Farming Programme with our equipped steel stockholders with Unbrook Industrial Estate Grantham, supplying the region for over 40 years.